Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, our guest is truly one of the rising stars in basketball media. And y'all, her star is super, super bright. She was a Division I baller, a news anchor, a reporter, and an analyst, and is currently, she has a very envious job, patrolling the sidelines for the Milwaukee Bucks on Fox Sports Wisconsin. We'll meet her in a minute, but first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thanks, Darlene. Your intros are the best. I appreciate you, sis. All right, now I'd like to introduce this week's guest. She is Zora Stevenson, whose meteoric rise in the basketball world has been the result of skill, ambition, and hard work. We'll talk to her about her journey, but her current gig is one of the top gigs in the game with one of the top teams in the NBA. Zora is the sideline reporter for the Milwaukee Bucks on Fox Sports Wisconsin. Zora, welcome to the show. Congratulations on locking up a major gig. If my memory is correct, it is only you and our girl Angel Gray with the Cleveland Cavaliers who are African-American women in these roles in the NBA. Is that true? That's true. I know Christina Pink was doing the Clippers, but I know she's doing a bunch of NFL stuff. So I, I don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, like full-time, full-time Angel and I, which is insane to think about. Oh, congratulations. I love, love seeing both of you thrive. And then you sort of being thrust into this limelight. And I took even more proud, even more pride in it, excuse me, when I realized our connection via the Fairfax Stars and this wonderful place that I call home. So many connections. And you played uh, at Georgetown with a dear friend of mine, Adria Crawford. She was like a mentor to me when I was going through the stars. So really, really good people over there, too. Adria is absolutely amazing. Okay, so let's just jump into it. I obviously, when you got the gig, immediately followed you on socials, did a little digging myself. The last job that you held before this one was news in a local market in Denver. How did you even get into this space and this career path? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a a weird journey, so to speak. I've been doing local news for some years and really enjoyed it, really enjoyed storytelling. But I played basketball in college, and I always wanted to get back to basketball. And the question for me was, like, how do I do that? I would tell people all the time, like, hey, I want to work in sports. And they'd almost laugh a little bit. They're like, I don't know anybody that transfers from news to sports. And when you tell me no, I look the other way and figure out a way. Uh, to make it happen. And so I was just networking and getting my stuff out there. I would go to as many sporting events as possible and just do some stuff on the side. And I just met the right person one day who said there was an opening in Milwaukee. And rest is history. Uh, you know what they say when preparation meets opportunity. So um, I've been I've been working at this for a while and uh, I got an opportunity and I'm so glad to be in Milwaukee. Preparation has certainly met opportunity. You are crushing it so far. I saw on your Instagram your segment in the zone with Z, which I think is fantastic. 
Um, but what do you think has allowed you to be prepared for this moment, whether it's being at the athlete part or even what you learned in local news? Well, for me, I think no matter if you're talking about politics or crime or sports, it's all storytelling and it's all knowing how to be a reporter. And so in this new role, the skills haven't really changed. It's the topic that has changed. And so I feel like everything I've done before this has prepared me for this moment. Um, and in this one, it's, it's actually different because every day it's the same topic. Like I know the Milwaukee Bucks, like in and out, whereas in local news, it could be something different. You know, you could be doing an education story or a political story or a healthcare story, whatever it may be. But I wake up every day and I know I'm going to cover the Milwaukee Bucks. There's no question about that. And so, yeah, I think, you know, being a reporter and being a journalist, it's, you know, universal. As long as you know how to do it, I feel like if you do it the right way, you can do it on any topic. It's funny to hear you say that because I had a similar path. I went to grad school after Georgetown and sort of got trained because I, I it's funny, Zora, because I deliberately remember saying I did not want to be boxed in as just a basketball analyst. I wanted to have the entire skill set. And I, I do believe that it has served me well. But the one thing I will credit the athlete part of it, um, I think, is being able to connect, not even just in the sports space, but I think there's something about us having been teammates and having to work with different dynamics, whether it be coaches, officials, strong personalities on our teams, that allow us to pick up on people quicker, maybe? I don't know. Has that been? Do you agree or disagree with that? I 100% agree and I think everything that we've been through in terms of being athletes obviously prepares us like for jobs and sports but I think that's a life thing too and being able to understand different types of people and connect with different types of people you didn't grow up the same way you don't have the same values whatever it may be but you can find some common ground to relate and that's big especially in my job because you want the players to be comfortable when you're doing these interviews I mean I have to talk to them every single day and so to get the best answers and for the fans to get to know them in the best way or to get the best insight, right? Like you have to relate to them in some way. And the biggest thing that I tell people is like, just treat everybody like they're people, you know, like um, no matter who they are or what they do, we're all just people. And I think at the end of the day, that's what we have in common. And so that's just how I like to approach things. Hey, Zora, this is Bruce. Um, Monica, like you grew up in the DMV and Monica always likes to say DC ballers are the smartest now, you graduated <laughs> magna cum laude from college, so you absolutely qualify. But why are D.C. ballers so smart? You know, I think the proof is in the pudding on that one. Uh, but it's interesting because I think, you know, the DMV is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And anybody that grew up in that area knows, like, Virginia ballers play completely different than people – that are in D.C. or even, like, in Maryland, in Montgomery County, PG County, Howard, whatever it may be, right? So <laughs> I grew up in Fairfax County, um, and, and that's probably the way I play, too, if, if that makes sense. Monica might understand that. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, growing up, the high school coach that I had, he was really big. I don't know if you guys know the name Jasmine Thomas. Uh, she played for Duke. She's in the WNBA now. Very we, went to the same high, we went to the same high school, and – our high school head coach, he's very like mindful of everything. And so I think everything is how you grow up. And I grew up in that and it just, it just kind of went from there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Why are DMV ballers the smartest? <laughs> I think it's the competition. 
And I, and I think in general, our area has just such quality basketball IQ. And I'm not saying that in New York or Houston or Atlanta, the old heads aren't passing down the legacy of what was. But I remember, and I, I think Zora, you were around for run and shoot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I remember. Exactly. And I would remember pulling up on run and shoot to work out with my dad and like Stacey Johnson, who used to hoop back in the day at Georgetown when Big John was there or even before Big John got there. And like those guys and old heads like would be in the gym. And I think they would stop games and pull dudes over to the side or even girls when I was in there and be like, hey, look at X, Y, Z next time or consider this. And so I just think the organic exchange that we have when it comes to the game, there's so many people talking about it in a smart way that you can't help but pick up on it if you have the desire to work hard and listen. Agreed. And I think, like, the whole area, it's a family atmosphere when it comes to the basketball community. You could, I mean, you could go in any gym, and if somebody sees you doing one thing and they have a thought, they'll come up to you. And it's, it's automatic, like, a, a family thing. And I think that, that's big as well, growing up in that environment. And, like, all of the hoopers, like, if you were around the same age, you knew each other didn't matter like what high school you went to or what AAU team you played on. Like you feel like you grew up with some of those people. Like, I don't know. Did you ever hear of the flames? Absolutely girl. We used to. Yeah. Battle. Like, <laughs> so like some of those, some of those teams, the flames, the stars, the Vogue, like it didn't matter what team you played on. Like we all knew each other and it was all respect. So I, I appreciate that community for sure. All right. So I will say that you exceed expectations in terms of being smart with the academic accomplishments because I was not nobody's magnum nothing but all right so in the space in Milwaukee tell me how in the zone with Z came to be because I just love it yeah when I got the job they were really big on like what features are you going to do they really want to create content that can you know bring the fans in and different viewers and all that kind of stuff and um, the reporter before me she had her own series as well and I was trying to think like what could I do what's outside the box and I said Zora you're thinking too much about it like you're a hooper just play basketball <laughs> and 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 chat and that's you know that goes back to like how we all grew up we would just get shots up and hang out and you know and I said why don't I do that with the players and then the way I play if you know anything about the way that I play basketball I was a shooter <laughs> that's like the one thing I could do so I was like I'm gonna play him in horse and we just call it zone to go with the show and everything like that. So it's getting to know the players in an environment that they're comfortable in while also having like a little healthy competition on the side, which I think keeps it entertaining. You know, I'd be interested to see how that goes throughout the season. Who's afraid to play you in zone because they're worried about losing? <laughs> well, everybody's been on board, so to speak. Dante was the first guy, and then we have um, somebody else coming up soon. And we'll see all the guys, you know, what's so great though. And that was one thing that I was like, I didn't know like how NBA players were going to be just as people. You just never know. I mean, they have so much heightened exposure and success. Like they, you know, don't have to be genuine and nice and respectful and all that kind of stuff. And everybody on the bucks, like throughout the entire team, they've just been really, really great people, really great to work with. And so, yeah, I'm excited for this series, and I'm excited for people just to get to know them on another level um, and just understand who they are as people rather than just basketball players. I think you should I, – I got an idea for a feature for you. I think you guys should do a takeoff on the commercial that Giannis did 
for the cellular phone company where he's playing that guy who's like five foot nothing. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, I think, you know, I think you should get him out there and, and like do a, a reenactment of that commercial. I think that would be funny. That, that would be a good one. I'll run it. I'll run it by Dan and see what he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that Dan's a tough guy. got to, you know, he's a tough grader. That's yeah, hilarious. He, he signs off on everything. <laughs> All right, so speaking of Giannis, okay, wait, are you calling him Yanni in post-game interviews when I'm watching your stuff? Yes, and of course, everybody reaches out to me and says, you don't even know Giannis's name. So the way it works, and he explained it to me the first day I met him, when you talk to him, it's Yanni. So his brother, Thanasis, it would be Thanasi. So when you talk to them, it's Yanni, Thanasi, whatever their name may be. When you talk about them, it would be Giannis. So right now we're talking about him. It's Giannis. That's how um, he told me it goes. And so that's what I do. Makes sense. Cause I knew, I was like, there's no way she's messing up his name. And I was like, but are <laughs> that's his nickname. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I heard it the first time, I was like, are we using nicknames? But no, that's just the formal way that you're supposed to say his name when you're talking directly to him. Huh. Good to know. Good to know. Um, okay, so that actually brings me to two questions. Right? And I'm trying to decide. I'm going to go this way first. Okay, so you mentioned interactions with social media. Um, actually, Katie put out a hilarious video this morning, sort of mocking the idea that women are in sports to ruin it for men, which is ridiculous. But the video is funny. And it does have <laughs> a point, even to people correcting you, like you don't know what you're saying, as opposed to asking uh-huh. why. How has that part been for you? Because you go from news where nobody questions women in news, then you jump right. into, and even though you do have a sports background, you played, you know the game, you're covering one of the biggest teams in the league, automatic eyeballs. What's that transition been like in terms of dealing with the social trolls? Right. And it's funny that you said, before they ask you why, they just tell you that you did it wrong. That, mm-hmm. was, that was poignant to me. And, and that's what I, what I come in contact with all the time. I think um, and, and social media, I get it more than like actually in person, if that makes sense. Like nobody is, is big enough to come right up to you and say, you did that wrong. It's, it's these people online. Um, and, and for me, I think it's just be you and do your research and know that what you're saying is correct and be confident in it. And then people will catch on. It's interesting. Like I've had some people who maybe weren't fans in the beginning, you know, thought like, oh, she's coming from local news. How is she going to be able to do this? So now, like, they respect, like, they respect the questions that I'm asking. Um, they respect some of the answers that I'm getting from the players or the content that I'm putting out there, my personality and different live hits and stuff like that. So I think my biggest thing is being true to who I am and all I can be is myself and everybody else will just, they'll catch on the train, so to speak. And in terms of, like, you know, because it was crazy. One day I was in the locker room, you know, the scrum after the game, and I was looking around and I was the only female in there. And I was like, this is, you know, you sometimes you have to step back and just think about everything that's happening. Um, but you just have to be you and be confident. And it's to the point now, like, I mean, I'm there every day. So I feel like the players respect me, the beat writers. It's just it, everything takes time. So in the beginning, yeah, okay, you see a female, like, how did she get here? Is she qualified, et cetera, et cetera. And then you just show them, right? Like showing them rather than telling them, I think, is, is always the biggest thing. Hey, uh, 
I have a, I have a question. So it's it's kind of, we're kind of stepping backwards in your journey a little bit, but I was just curious. Mm -hmm. So you did internships in Raleigh and in D.C. before you got your first paying job. So when you get mm -hmm. a taste of a big market like that, and then you have to go to a small market for your first job, how does that big market experience affect your motivation? Hmm. I think. I mean, I went to, so Elon University has a really good communication school, and a lot of the professors there are realistic. So, like, I may have had internships in Raleigh or, like, even in D.C. at, like, one of the best sports departments, you know, in the country, but, like, I knew I was going to have to start small. Like, I just knew that that's how it went, and that was the process. So, for me, when I got my first job out of school, I, I was, um, I had my head down that was my mindset. And I was just like, work hard, work hard, work hard, and, and see what happens after that. So I try not to think too far ahead. I try not to compare and stuff like that. So I think I had the right mindset going in. And that's just credit to like all the professors and, and mentors and everything like that. Like, I didn't think coming out of college, like, I would be anywhere near DC. And so to have that in my mind, I guess it didn't, you know, it didn't phase me that I had to go to a smaller market and I enjoyed it. Like a smaller market is where you can make mistakes and nobody's going to say anything. Right. Where like, you? Um, huh? Where did you start? What was your path? So right after I graduated, I went to the CBS affiliate in Greenville, North Carolina. Mm. Greenville is a small town um, near the coast of North Carolina. If you guys have heard of East Carolina university, that's the city that that university is in. And I was there for two years doing just about everything, mostly news, but like high school football there is big. So on Friday nights, all I did was high school football, filled in for sports, filled in at the desk for news. And you just grind, you grind. I mean, shooting, writing, editing, everything. Um, and you just, you know, hone your craft. I think like you need professional experience to hone your craft before you can go to the next level. And then after that, like I got an opportunity to go to Denver, a much bigger market, top 20, the stakes are higher no mistakes are, you know, should be made there. And so I needed those two years in Greenville to become like a real journalist. School is amazing, but I really feel strongly that like professional experience helps as well. I love just the overall vision and how you never dropped what your goal was in terms of getting back into sports. And whoever said that people don't switch from sports or from news to sports is absolutely ridiculous because I know tons of people that have done it. I did news as well. And now look at what we got going on. So the Bucks are off to an unbelievable start. They haven't had a start like this in probably 45 years back when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, was uh, Lou Alcindor, probably. Uh, so, you, you know, knowing that we have to go back all these years, this looks like a team that should be favored to win it all. I mean, how, how do you see it? Yeah, I, you know, I get that question a lot. And I'm not one to make predictions, but I can tell you what I see every day and what I observe. And that's a team that, like, works hard. And, and it's funny. It doesn't matter if it's practice or if it's preseason or scrimmage or game. Like, they're going hard 100% of the time. Um, but also in a way that's, like, healthy competition, right? You don't have guys, like, going at it to where you think, like, hey, what's going on? No, I mean, these guys, they really care about each other. Um, 12 wins in a row, like, that's hard to do in the NBA. I know everybody has their opinions on, like, what the schedule's been like in the certain teams, but, like, it doesn't matter who you play. Like, the NBA is competitive, and so that, there's something to be said for that. And going through these 12 games where they've won, 
they still are focused and they're still locked in and they're still holding each other accountable. And it's that level of commitment and excellence that I think is going to get this team to where they want to be, you know, months from now. And so they're just trying to create a culture and a mindset that can be sustainable. So sky is the limit, some amazing people, amazing players, and just real competitors, which impresses me so much. So, I know that everyone talks about Giannis, and understandably so, and Chris Middleton, who made the all-star team last year. But I think the what, what any team that aspires to be a champion requires is the guys like Robin Lopez, the guys like uh, Kyle Korver, the supporting cast. And I know it's kind of an unusual situation there. You got Robin Lopez and you got Brooke Lopez. <laughs> now, what's your feature on those two going to be about? Because they are whack jobs, aren't they? In a good way. <laughs> they are great guys. It's funny because there's so many jokes about, you know, Brooke and Robin. They don't talk to each other when the game's going on. They've, you know, talked smack over the years. But if you talk to their mother, their mother will tell you they're the best of friends. They just don't show the world that. <laughs> and most twins are. They're really, really close. And it means a lot for their family for them to be on the same team. And then on the basketball court, Brooke has been out for the past couple games, and Robin has started in his place. And it's almost like you're just replacing one for the other. We've got Robin Lopez knocking down threes now. Only uh, Coach Bud in the Let It Fly system could do that. He had three threes on Saturday against Charlotte in the first half. So it's just confidence. It's fun to watch both of them. Obviously, what they bring on the defensive end of the court is so valuable. Um, but, yeah, in terms of features, they actually were in Orlando, what, a couple weeks ago. I'm losing track of my days. And um, we were playing the Magic the day before that. They went to Disney and had an appearance and signed stuff for the fans and stuff like that. So we did a feature on their love for Disney, which is completely real. It is not just a show. They love Disney. They know their way around that entire park. Um, and it's just really cool to see who they are as people on and off the court. One of the other guys that I thought was a really good story that they brought to the team was Wesley Matthews. I mean, Wesley went to Marquette. He grew up in Wisconsin. His dad played for Wisconsin. Um, and I know he's had some trouble the last couple of years with some injuries, but when I saw that they brought him to the team, I thought that is an ideal kind of a chemistry guy to bring to the team. What are your thoughts on Wesley? Oh, he's the ultimate professional, ultimate vet. You talk to him, and his focus is always on the defensive end. He um, is always locked in there, and that's where he has so much pride, too. Like, he <laughs> gets so excited off of getting stopped, and then his mindset is the offense will just come. And right now he's knocking down shots. I don't know if you see after he hits a three, he does the arrow. So this team is fun. And then leadership. I mean, he's played on so many different teams. He's been in so many different scenarios. So anything this team goes through throughout the season, he's probably been through it. And so he's mentoring some of the younger guys. We're talking about DJ Wilson, Dante DiVincenzo, and, and talking to them. Even Giannis, they sit right next to each other in the locker room, and they have some good conversations. And so he's a really great locker room guy. And then personally for him, just to be home means a lot. Uh, we were talking after Thanksgiving, and he was saying it was so nice just to have everybody in one place and cooking and having the meal and everything like that. So for him just to be home means a lot. I know the practice facility there is like considered maybe the top practice facilities in the entire NBA. So I know they got a barber shop there. Do you ever hang out there with the guys or with your girls? And do they have someone in there to do some ladies hair? <laughs> 
I haven't seen the barbershop part of it, but there is, um, I mean, the garage is really nice. That's a big deal here in Milwaukee because it is so cold. So you don't want to ever have to go in and out. Uh, state-of-the-art kitchen, anything that the guys need. Obviously, they have a separate locker room. The weight room is top of the line. The strength coaches are amazing on this team. And then just the way the gym is set up, you can, you know, have a banner down or up if you need to have, like, two different groups going on. There's a way that you can watch it but not be distracting. And so, yeah, the training facility, it's so great. It's just a couple years old, and it really works. And it's nice because it's right across the street from the arena. A lot of training facilities in the NBA, you have to drive, like, 20 to 30 minutes to get to the arena. But these guys, like, can have shoot-around, go home real quick, and then go to the arena. It's not like they're going back and forth everywhere. You got to find that barbershop. That's where all the best trash talk takes place. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I smell a feature, Bruce. That's a great idea. You sound good, Monica. Go. All right. So, far, we, so literally, last week, and this last week was before Luka Doncic and those guys ended the streak for the Lakers, the conversation mm-hmm. on the MSG 150 was about the Lakers and the Bucks. I personally cannot wait for them to meet December 19th. It's coming up right around the corner. Because if I had to look at the streaks, I definitely think that the Bucks streak is a little bit more tested than the Lakers in terms of it being fluff. But as you're watching these guys compete day in and day out, do you see a difference in how they respond depending on who's coming into town? That's a great question. And no. Okay. No. They are locked in and hype and upbeat and ready to compete for whoever makes their way to Milwaukee or wherever the team is. And I think that's key. Now, obviously, there's certain games, for example, a couple games ago, the team played Utah, right? And the Bucks lost to Utah in Utah on a buzzer beater. So if a player told you, hey, we didn't get a little extra juice from the fact that we wanted redemption, they'd be lying, right? Like, there was a little bit of extra momentum going into that one. But they take it one game at a time, and it doesn't matter who it is. And I think that speaks volumes. I mean, that's why you can have two 40-plus point wins back-to-back, because you're treating everybody like on any given night, any team can beat you. And that's, that's really what you have to do. But, yeah, that Laker game is definitely starred. The Clippers game on Friday is starred as well (laughs) because those are going to be some tests for this group. And I think a lot of people, not just in Milwaukee, but around the country are going to be interested to see how those two teams match up full full go. Because the Bucs played the Clippers a couple weeks ago in L.A. Kawhi didn't play. Paul George didn't play. They should both play on Friday. That changes things a lot. (laughs) All right. We know we got to let you go, but before we do, we always end the show a certain way. And this is where I get to channel the great Monica McNutt as I ask you this question. (laughs) Uh, The name of this podcast is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. So we're going to ask you to either give us a bucket, a board, or a block. And I'm going to explain. A bucket is something that you love. It can be about the bucks or anything. Your A++ material, something that you want more of. Your board is sort of like a redemption or a rebound story. Yeah, we, we think rebound, but something maybe that had a look, look like it was a negative, then it turned out to have a silver lining and it turned out well. And then a block is trash. Get it out of here. We don't want no more of that. How's that, Monica? So you can give us either your bucket, <laughs> your board, or your block. You only got to give us one. 
Well, the bucket is the positive, right? Correct. So yes. my, my bucket, and I think it, it combines everything, but to have the opportunity to tell stories about basketball is just like, I'm really having fun right now. And so that's my bucket, especially as we end the year out. Um, that's what I'm really grateful for right now. So count that one. How did I do, Monica? Love it. And Bruce, great job. You sound just like me. <laughs> Zora, my friend, my girl, my fellow DMV sister, I cannot congratulate you enough because I think it is so huge. Both you, Angel, Christina, who we also love, what you guys are doing. I am a firm believer in representation mattering. And I love this. My conversation, like if somebody asked me to give a TED Talk tomorrow, it would be on the depth of diversity. Um, and so you guys represent that going below the surface for me in the NBA in a sincere way. And so I love the work that you're doing. I love the story that you tell and that you bring with it. Um, and thank you 10 times over for coming through the pod. Thank you for having me. Honored to be on this platform. Honored to talk with you all. And I'm a big believer and we bring everybody up, you know, as we go up. So thank you. There you go. 100% sis. Well, happy holidays, safe travels and all that good stuff. And maybe we'll talk to you closer to the playoffs. Sounds good. Anytime. Have a good one. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thank you so much to Zora Stevenson for her time. First of all, we squeezed this in while the Bucks were on a road trip. So thank you for her making this happen. We definitely look forward to hearing from her again later on in the season. The Bucks might be the best team in the NBA and she has one of the best seats in the house. Don't at me. There's no argument there. Thanks to my extraordinary producer, Bruce Bernstein, and of course, our fantastic editor, Ben Wolfen. Please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday. Hopefully, you caught his two-part David Stern interview. It was fire. You should definitely check it out if you missed it. Next week, his guest is Ennis Cantor of the Boston Celtics. The Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops each Friday, and those guys have been doing a bonus show every Tuesday as well. And soon, we're going to be relaunching Catch and Shoot 2.0 on Wednesday. More on that coming soon. And of course, every Thursday, I'm here with a new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. So until next time, you know the motto, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 